Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GetterCountry.com. In just a moment, we'll break down Florida's heartbreaking 69-68 loss in overtime at the SEC Tournament to Mississippi State. The Gators' regular season ends in Nashville in the second round of the SEC Tournament, second consecutive year. The Gators do not make it to quarterfinal Friday. Uh, Florida finishes the regular season 16 and 16. They are eligible for an NIT bird. Todd Golden says they'll take it. There's conflicting reports as to whether or not the Gators actually will take it. Um, Malik Grady reported from our Twitter account that a source inside the program said they would. Todd Golden said they would, but there are also some people saying the players don't necessarily want to. We'll see and sort out whether all that's true. But for now, we're just going to break down the mistake game, discuss you know, the NIT possibilities and intrigues and uh, get into all that. So hope you guys enjoyed the show and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, uh, Florida battled pretty hard yesterday. Uh, staged a big comeback, really multiple comebacks, and um, looked like they were going to get one at the end, and then uh, couldn't hold on. So another overtime loss for the Gators at the SEC tournament, second year in a row. Oh yeah, I forgot. Like it's it's funny how quickly I you know had that one slip out of my mind from from last year. But yeah, two in a row. Um, like you said, Gators had. Um, it was interesting, like in in sense of like the comeback because it was kind of like slow and, and steady from the initial um, being down double digits, um, which is like kind of like a good, you know, <laughs> sustainable way to make a comeback for lack of a better term. It wasn't like they just like splashed three threes in a row. And then it's like, ah, come back. It was like, they actually started to play some better basketball. Um, but uh, ultimately it wasn't, uh, wasn't quite enough had uh, I'll, I'll say two possessions where they could have, you know, what won the game. I know it's like, to say there's two possessions where they could have won the game is, is kind of slightly disingenuous because um, the other team gets the ball as, as, as well. They also had possessions to, to change the outcome. Um, but of course the Gators um, couldn't quite get a stop where Tolu Smith gets, uh, gets a bucket there late on what I'll call it uncontested layup um, on drop off. And then, um, you know, again, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to, to go the length, you know, to score in four seconds, but uh, the Gators did have that, that opportunity Um and we're unable to do so. And uh, that's in a situation where, uh, you know, do the Gators have that, 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 that guy in that situation that um, you love in that situation. I mean, uh, watching Tyree Appleby um, doing his thing, um, fighting down, fighting down to uh, the, the bitter end for Wake Forest. That was the time where I'll tell you, I was like, oh, I could really go for uh, some Tyree Appleby right now um, if, we, if we still had him. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of, kind of the game. Yeah, it was. Let's start there. A uh, little unusual for us to kind of work backwards, but into the game, um, Florida gets kind of a frenetic, I mean, not even kind of, they get a frenetic layup from Niles Lane out of their press. I thought Niles got bumped. looked like he certainly did on the replay. Uh, they didn't call the N one. Uh, I thought, and you feel free to disagree at any point. I thought Florida did the right thing by not calling a timeout after they scored to set their defense. Um, but I also thought Florida could have trapped again, just to slow Miss State down. Um, 
Myron Jones kind of elected not to do that when Niles Lane stepped to the man with the ball. Uh, but even then, Florida seemed to have Deshaun Davis walled up, and Davis wasn't making many shots uh, yesterday. Um, you know, he was four of thirteen. Uh, that included being three of ten inside the arc. So it seemed like they had him walled up for a pretty tough and contested two. Uh, at this point, we get the help from Alex Fudge. Now, whether it was help or just Fudge going for a block, or um, it was a help to helper situation where Riley Kugel was supposed to drop down from the wing and was late. Um, I think you and I texted about this, and I like the way you put it best, Eric. Just don't think that Fudge needed to try to block a shot there. Like it was going to be a tough look anyway. And he probably should have been staying home to avoid a Tolu putback in the first place. But under no circumstance should Tolu Smith, who absolutely ate as we predicted he would with 28 points and 13 rebounds, uh, been, he shouldn't have been left alone. That that much is clear. Yeah, I'm just watching the play too as as it uh, as as it kind of happens here, just to uh, um, make sure I got it all right. So. I, I think first of all, like it was, it was, you know, with the, with the timeout, like they didn't get really a clean, it, it wasn't like they came down flying, like got, got the ball at the rim and, 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 and got down really quickly. So like, um, don't think they like necessarily needed, needed one there. Um, the, the, the thing that first struck me of course was like Alex Fudge doesn't need to help there. That, that, that's the biggest thing. I think that again, this is a big moment for a guy that, um, I will continue to, um, you know, continue to point this out. This was a guy who, could not get the get on the floor for LSU last year for much of SEC play. Um, I think you could argue all of SEC play because he really only played garbage time. So it's not like he's been in these moments um, um, a lot. And uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, my, my first thought uh, watching the play live was like, oh my goodness, Myron Jones just got absolutely burned, um, which I was going to be like, well, you got to be able to make a stop there. But it's, it's interesting because he gave up the first step where I was just like, well, the Gators are about to give up layup. And then he kind of, actually got his hips back and shoulders back in, in, in front of uh, uh back in front of the, the offensive player there. And then actually forced what was a shot that was going to come from like just outside the key, like between the charge circle and that sec logo. So like a leaner from out from just outside the paint that was heavily contested. So a leaner from just outside the paint that's heavily contested. That is just not a play where Alex fudge needs to go and try to block a shot. Um, one, it's already plenty contested, and two, he's just not going to get his hand on that one. So it was just a situation where, you know, I, I I feel bad because it was an error made out of aggression and effort, but it was absolutely an error from Alex Fudge to uh, to rotate over and try to block that shot. I'm sure if Golden was asked about it specifically, he'd say like, "Hey, um, I appreciate that he's you know." He was trying to affect the game and 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 make a play. You know, he made made a read and it was wrong. I don't think it was like the stupidest play in the world. Like this is not one of those like how do you like what are you possibly doing, Alex Fudge? It's not that. Like it's not that bad. But you know, in retrospect, him sliding over thinking he was going to block a shot or try to take a charge, whatever he was trying to do there. He almost there's also even a moment where it looked like he was going to try to take a charge, which he which <laughs> in which case he would have been quite late and almost certainly would have had a blocking um, foul. Um, and then, of course, you know, Riley Kugel would be pro responsible on that play to kind of crack down and take away Smith. But it just happened so fast. Um, so 
I, I, I also don't look at, at Riley Kugel as being like, oh, you got to be there to, to help the helper and take away Smith. He actually was there with pretty good time. But again, with someone coming downhill that fast, the drop-off happened so fast. Um, I don't think it was really a situation where, you know, I'll, so I'll say Riley Kugel was like involved in the play if we're talking about everyone involved in the play, but I don't see any responsibility on him. So um, while it, on first watch, I thought, wow, Myron Jones got burnt and then Alex Fudge, but did well to recover. Um, and then Alex Fudge shouldn't have rotated over. On second watch, I was actually like, you know what? Myron Jones actually contained him pretty good at in a pretty tough situation. He forced what was going to be a leaner, heavily contested from just outside the key. That's a tough shot. And uh, yeah, I just think that that uh, Alex Fudge doesn't, or you know, I was going to say doesn't. He he shouldn't shouldn't have rotated over, and that was ultimately the game. Um, but again, I don't feel I I I. I Again, it wasn't it wasn't one of those errors that are so stupid that you just say like you know how could you possibly do this? It was a tough play for a young big who has not played in a lot of these situations, and um, for a team that ha- it's it's uh, you know of course is is he in that situation? Um, if the Gators are you know totally healthy, um, you know probably not, but uh, he was, and it was one of those situations where yeah the, the Gators um, were you know a little bit young and inexperienced at a key position at a key moment there, and. Uh, that was the game. So that's my breakdown. I'd be interested to see if other what other people's um, thoughts were. But uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure plenty of us have watched that play a lot, a lot of times at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, my the only thing I would add to any of that is, you know, I think is in it. You're, you make a great point about his inexperience because maybe even a little more experience, Alex Fudge kind of feigns or stunts help, um, and then he's in the passing lane a little bit more, right? Because he doesn't come all the way over. Maybe then he gets his hand on the pass. Like, I don't know if he gets a steal from that closer range, but a tip if he feigns and then drops back, uh, something like that. But I don't know. Alex just hasn't played enough minutes at this level, I think, to make that kind of instinctual play that you might see an upperclassman. make. Um, and I thought all in all, like kind of a tough game for Alex. Um, you know, he had the worst plus minus in the game at, at minus 11. And I think some of that uh, is just shot selection that led to transition points for Miss State. You know, he he took two really – he only took two threes. They were both wretched decisions, um, kind of early shot clock threes. One led to a, a pretty quick transition basket. Uh, I think the other one went out of bounds. It was, <laughs> so at least I guess Florida got to set their defense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he just – you know, I think he has a lot of growing to do. And I don't know if he's so athletic um, that, you know, he's going to necessarily get that kind of G League look that he might have in his head right now. And I think, you know, his choices are kind of, can he play for money somewhere? Sure, probably. Um, Is that going to be a circuitous path to the NBA? If that's, of course, where he ultimately wants to be, and I'm sure it is. Uh, yeah, that that would just be kind of my impression, and I don't necessarily—it's not me. I don't—I don't think I'm hating on Alex to say that. I just think he's a guy that needs more minutes, and I think playing high-level college basketball is probably the best place for him at this point. Yeah, I I, I know that the goal was always to come to Florida for one year and and then try to make the league, um, whether that was G League or, or NBA, of course, would have been the ultimate goal, and. Uh, he was maybe like he started the seat when he started the season. I think that that would have looked like a, a, a goal that was um, unrealistic. 
then he started to string together some some really good games where you could definitely see just based off his physical abilities that like oh yeah some team would probably give him a chance just put him on their g league roster and then of course after the concussion he just hasn't been the same player so i just don't know if some team will be like wow he really played like four really good games there and he's you know got the frame and athleticism uh like if there's a team that was like to rely on 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 high school scouting and saw what he was in high school and thought oh here's my opportunity to to get someone who the market's probably not going to be super high on based on how the last two years have gone. Like, again, maybe there's a, a team that, that, that gambles on them there. And that does still happen where teams will do that. So like, I would just, I would never say never, but it's just someone who, uh, yeah, has just not been able to string um, many good games of, of basketball together. And, and again, I do think that you can draw, like when he came back from the concussion, I just don't think he's he's been the same player at, at all. But it's also not like before the concussion, this was like a surefire league guy. So um, that's going to be one that like I I wouldn't be surprised if he if he went just because I know that was just always the the goal for him and his it, it, to to do that. But um, from a basketball standpoint, I I yeah wouldn't say he he accomplished quite what what he was hoping for, and probably not exactly what the what the team was hoping for as well. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And that another excellent point about the concussion. He certainly seems to have not been uh, quite the same. Played some really good minutes, uh, I thought, in the finale um, against uh, – or, sorry, against Georgia in the road finale. Um, but, yeah, not the same player in the aggregate as Florida closed the, the season after his concussion. Um, let's talk – Kind of well. Let's talk final shot. I didn't, you know, Florida got a shot off. That's good. They got a decent look. I would have liked it to be a little deeper. I agreed with what Todd Golden said about that. Um, there's been some chatter about whether or not you go to Myron. Um, look, man, Myron scored the last nine points of the game to send it to overtime. Uh, he was one of Florida's best players yesterday, and. I don't mind Todd Golden thinking, "Hey, he's got a hot hand. Let's let's give him the ball." Um, you know, they ran a slight variation of that play earlier in the season. I think it was against Tennessee, and got a wide open three that Kowasi Reeves missed with one extra pass. I think Florida had time to make one extra pass, but um, you know, they also wanted to make sure they got a shot off. Your thoughts on that, and, and maybe do you run that for Riley Kugel? Or, you know, I certainly think Jones, it being Jones, is at least defensible in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I, this is, I'll say this, and like, I don't really believe it, but in this moment, I'll say it that like when there's like four seconds left, pretty much as long as you get a shot on the rim, full court, like things like, or a, a, a balanced shot, I'll say, I'll add that as well. Um, it's it's something that like is is pretty defensible. Like it's it's yep. there's not a lot, but it's like Myron Jones is six three with a pretty low release point, and the game plan was for him to take a dribble jumper with with a play with a man in his face. And I'm not saying that's like 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 anyone who was going to take the shot was going to have to take a shot with a man contesting their shot right in their face. So the six three guy who releases the ball from his chin, that's probably not, not what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm trying to go to like a Riley Kugel who has that burst to maybe get a little bit deeper or I'm going to Kwesi Reeves who, and again, I, I know that Kwesi Reeves is not shooting the ball very well right now, um, but he's going to get a cleaner look than, um, 
than Myron Jones is just in terms of like Myron Jones, like, I like, you know, I th- like, I don't know. Like I, I actually thought that like the moment I saw the closeout coming, I thought he was getting a shot blocked. Like it was, it was just because of how low his release point is yeah. and uh, the way that the defender was closing out. I was shocked that they didn't get, and I almost think he like bailed out a little bit because he didn't want to like commit a foul and he'd rather just get a really hard contest than try to make a play on the ball. Versus like Kwesi Reeves, like imagine Kwesi Reeves in that situation. Like he's taking that jumper as if it's any other jumper just because of his release point. So um, I probably would have done something different, but I like, sorry, I would have probably done something quite similar, um, but just with a different player. But I don't think it's like an egregious move by any stretch. Yeah. Okay. So I think just kind of felt like we needed to talk about all that first. Um, the bugaboo that we've talked about a lot on this podcast this season, the slow starts, it was almost the opposite of the game in Starkville, really like Florida really was, had one of their best starts, if not their best start of the season in Starkville, built a huge lead and then Mississippi state clawed back in this game. Um, Florida gave up 18 offensive rebounds, Eric, but only one of those came in the first 10 minutes of the second half when Florida made its its massive comeback. And only two of them came in the 15-minute stretch from the five-minute mark of the end of the first half to that 10-minute mark. So that means that Miss State was obviously much better on the glass than the rest of the game. Uh, but, you know, really, as we kind of previewed Florida's ability to, to at least compete on the glass, uh, coupled with their first-shot defense, key to comeback. Yeah, that was it, and and uh, the offensive rebounding was was crazy um, for sure. Uh, it was interesting because like I, I I know on I was looking at Ken Palm and they had eighteen offensive rebounds from Mississippi State. Um, ESPN had had twenty one, so I'm not sure um, who's got the official one there. Um, but at, at twenty one, I mentioned this on our our post game thoughts for for Patreon. But like it was the thirteenth, or it was like thirteenth or fourteenth most that that a team has given up this year um that would go down if it was 18 um but uh yeah it was just like it was one of those one of those games where like it just seemed like everything every time the shot was going up well i mean the numbers would bear it out it was pretty much a coin flip whether the gators going to get a defensive rebound or mississippi state getting an offensive rebound and again um mississippi state who struggles to shoot the ball struggles to score a little bit um oh it's also incredible how many layups mississippi state was missing even like that that first minute of the game where they missed three almost uncontested layups like that was near comedic um so there there was one of those like it's one of those situations where like it almost felt like mississippi state was like hey we're just gonna like put this ball up on the rim and go get it almost like some of these kentucky teams of recent years or like tennessee's had a couple teams like that in in recent years and they're shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers but again it was one of those things where the gators first shot defense was you know taken away points um there wasn't a lot of situations where mississippi state was getting a clean look and scoring right away uh they were just kind of staying in it with uh with their ability to get offensive rebounds and just one of those things if the ball was going to start bouncing to the gators or if they were going to start to rebound better uh you knew that mississippi state was going to go cold a little bit because it never felt like their offense had much flow uh the rebounding was was just you know getting it for them so yeah i i do think there was and again some of some of rebounding as much as people like to think it's like exclusively effort there is a luck element for sure um with the way that the ball is going to bounce off a rim <clears throat> or off someone's fingertips so I, I do think that things were going about as worse uh, as they possibly could for the gators from that standpoint after playing good first shot defense so uh after 
there was the stretch of 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 yeah mississippi state not just bludgeoning them on the glass that there was a chance for the gators to, to get back into it and um that was one of those things that was good kind of getting rewarded for it for playing good defense eventually the ball started to come to them yeah no florida's guards um digging down getting on the glass and the Early in the second half, I thought it was, was pretty helpful. I mean, Florida's leading rebounder was Myron Jones with seven. Uh, Kwesi Reeves had a couple of big rebounds, ended up with four. Um, we could talk about Wasey a little bit. There was a lot of Twitter anger about some of his shots. Uh, I thought he was spectacular defensively yesterday. Really has grown up as a defender this season, Eric, um, and just did an excellent job. Uh, whether he was on Deshaun Davis or whether he was switching over to Shaquille Moore. Um, I know he picked up Cameron Matthews a couple times and kind of stopped his dribble penetration, which is really all he has in his game. Um, same with DJ Jackman. Reeves guarded four guys yesterday and, and I thought played a good defense on all of them. Um, I'd love to see his jumper go in more. It's just not happening right now. I do think he has to, improve his shot selection. That's an understatement of the, of the century at this point. I think he, he certainly hoist uh, sometimes when he shouldn't, there was one early shot clock three late in the game yesterday that um, in the second half, not in overtime, made me grimace a bit, led the mistake getting a rebound and quick points on the other end. Um, but, you know, still a solid game for Wacy defensively and, and a plus 11, which I think Florida will take from him almost any night. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that I thought impacted the game a little bit, at least in the first half, was Jason Jatobo's foul trouble. Um, I don't think – I'm not going to be critical of Todd and his lineup usage at all in the second half. I thought what Florida did was, was pretty smart. But I thought their most effective lineups in the first half all had Jason Jatobo, Eric. Um, unfortunately, it was another one of these games where I felt he was over-officiated a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I, uh, like I, I, will, I will say okay to disagree. Jason yeah. When Jason Jatobo is not on the floor, I did not find myself clamoring for more Jason Jatobo. Again, he had his sure, his sure. requisite one one rebound for sixteen minutes. Um, normally, it's about one rebound for eighteen to, to twenty. So he played a little bit less minutes, but still, yeah. while the Gators are getting just hammered on the glass, and he's unable yeah. to get get to a body or rebound out of his area that's problematic and um he did have some nice moments blocking some shots which was good using his length um but of course there's just moments um especially in in, in kind of early offense where uh yeah he was struggling to guard so and uh i think too when you see it at uh at the end of the game there um whether it be uh whether it be regulation um or whether it be overtime um, we saw who the coaching staff trusted. So I would say that that's something I also agreed with where he was not on the floor for some of these big moments. I just think, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I don't, again, I don't think he was dreadful. I think that, yeah, like you said, in the first half, there was, there was lineups with him that were effective. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, this was a, just another one of like, again, I don't even want to say it was, it was rough when, when Jason Jatoba was out there these last few games, it just looks like, yeah, this is a guy that is, um, should be a backup playing, you know, seven or eight minutes a game. And he's in a situation where he's playing 16 or, or, and so, you know, seven or eight minutes against other teams, bench players, and he's playing 16 to 20 minutes against starters. And that's, so he's, he's overextended 
for sure. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was good. There there was there was obviously like I said, some moments had three block shots. Uh, that's that's a ton f- for sure in 16 minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think from a, from a rebounding standpoint, um, it wasn't there as it hasn't been. And from a decent defensive standpoint, um, it, it 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 wasn't there. Um, loved a couple of those buckets again. Also, you have to be you know, eight points in 16 minutes. That's pretty good. And, and again, it was one of those yeah. things where, and I, and I actually like agree with this, but it's one of those things that it's like when, when, when Jatobo's out there, you got to kind of use him. Like you got to play through him. He's not providing you stuff elsewhere. So you got to kind of use him. And uh, there's good moments there, but it also maybe took away from, from some of the other um, offensive stuff that the Gators are having a little bit more success with. So um yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say you know it was good for moments when he was in the game, but when he was you know there was also some bad moments, and I didn't like you, you know like you said I wasn't I didn't have a problem with the lineups down the stretch, and those didn't have Jason Jatobo, so I think that says just a little bit about like you know my thoughts on his game. Had some good moments, had some bad moments. I'm glad they took him out when they did. Yeah, no, I just thought Florida didn't. He he was probably Florida's most effective player offensively in the first half, as odd as that is to say. And- um, so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate when he gets in these foul trouble, which really isn't his fault or wasn't yesterday, I'm not saying every game, every foul called on Jason Tobin was not accurate, but certainly yesterday, you know, principles of verticality don't necessarily appear to apply to Jason Tobin all the time. <laughs> um, you know, just because his verticality has a larger sphere than other human beings. Um, you know, I think he, he gets punished for that and was, but yesterday, and that was unfortunate because Florida could not score in the first half. Um, they did a great job, first shot defense in the second half, missed state shot. Uh, you know, they shot 29% from the floor in the second half. Um, and, you know, if Florida had made some free throws in the first half when they went to the line, they probably win this game in regulation. Um, unfortunately, after the Castleton injury, Florida has shot 62% from the foul line, which is terrible. Um, quite frankly. And uh, yesterday they shot 58%, 10 to 17. One of the few games this year where Florida did not shoot more free throws than the other team, which has been a nice thing under Todd Golden, wasn't always a positive under Mike White, but you have to hit those when your margin for error is very small. Uh, Florida did not do that in this game. And in the end, you know, kind of gets back to what Florida's been all year, Eric. I mean, they were 8 of 35 from deep. Uh, That's 23%. That's how you lose. Yeah, I was going to mention, uh, going back to the Kwesi Reeves um, conversation you were having where, yeah, we're now like two seasons into into Kwesi Reeves. And, yeah, he's like a career like 29% from from three. Um, I think in SEC play this year, he's at um, 19%. And, uh, you know, last year it was it was uh, conference play where, where things started to go like a little bit better for, for Quasi Reeves who kind of like salvaged his percent, but he was like 33% um, in, in SEC play last year. So um, yeah, it's just one of those, one of those things where um, I think we could excuse some of the, some of the shaky shooting um, last year, maybe to start the season, but yeah, now we've got like over 203 point attempts from Quasi Reeves and, and, and yeah, the, the results are sub yep. 30%. So just at some point that, that theoretical shooting that, that, I, that we've been a fan of and, and thought was going to come. Um, we've got to just start to start to question that a little more. And yeah. uh, I, I'll just be interested if he, um, wherever, you know, I, he's someone that I'm not sure if he'll, he'll be at Florida next year. Um, if he'll go elsewhere, but wherever he is in his basketball journey, it, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, see if his 
role is is going to turn into more of this like okay i can be a a very very good defender and uh, someone who can really help out on the glass and i need to become an aggressive downhill player and not necessarily someone who um is what we thought he was coming into florida and that was uh, uh someone who could take shots off the bounce um be a tough shot maker um a late clock guy um that just hasn't been the case but um I, I will say in terms of some of the shots he took that were like, again, some of them were, you know, truly uh, not good shots that he shouldn't have been taken, taking, but I, I do wonder, like, of course he had a bad, bad night from, from three. Um, there was not, not a good night from three for, um, for Riley Kugel as, as well. Um, and then uh, Will Richard, not a good night as, as well. Not maybe not as much for, for Will Richard who took kind of the regular shots he takes, but with Riley Kugel and, and Quasi Reeves, and the Gators taking way more threes than they normally take. Again, I do wonder if this was a situation where the Gators know that they're not good offensively at all. They're playing a team that's really good defensively in Mississippi State and a team that's really good at protecting the paint. And maybe the game plan was like, hey, we need to take 50% of our shots from three and we'll live with, we'll live with the results. So I don't know if that was the game plan. Um, I've been spending the last month on the podcast saying that the Gators need to go to more extreme strategies and taking 33 threes is a more extreme strategy. So uh, if the Gators yeah. wanted to roll the dice that way and take more threes, if that was the game plan, honestly, I wouldn't hate it. I know the results are, are, are poor, but I can't use revisionist history and say like, oh, the Gators can't be taking 33 threes. Um, would you like some of them? I would have liked a, a little bit better looks. I'm not saying that, oh, because the idea is you like say, let's say the game plan was we need to take like 50% of our shots from three to try to add some variance. That doesn't mean you can take some of the shots that, that were taken. Some of them were still inexcusable. I'll also point out that the, uh, the game plan in that scenario would be to play a slower low possession game and then shoot a lot of threes. So some of those early clock threes that were really poor looks from Quasi Reeves, that does not fit the, the strategy. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was something I just always say. I feel and, and see, feel like I always have to say on the podcast every year where it's it's when you play postseason games, it always seems to be a microcosm of, of the season. Um, the things you do well, you seem to those get spotlighted, and the things that you do poorly seem to get spotlighted. And and again, this was a game where the Gators have been bad defensive rebounding all year. They got hammered on the glass. They haven't shot the ball well all year. I didn't shoot the ball well in this one. And then I'll also just point out that you know it wasn't just the poor shooting. Like there was shot creation issues and Florida's offense was, was not very good. So um, all the issues that we've kind of had with the Gators all year long. Yeah. They, they were there once again. Yeah. I would, I was going to touch on both offensive issues in terms of just initiating offense. I thought in the second half, particularly when the game got tight down the stretch and this state was able to, to shake off a two point deficit, turn it into that nine Oh run. Um, or sorry, yeah, nine zero run to go from, um, yeah, it was an eight zero run. I'm sorry, fifty one forty nine to fifty seven fifty one before the before the threes by Jones that that sent the game to overtime. You know, almost every possession for Florida was the same. Eric, it was um, beat token pressure, get the ball across the half court line at about twenty three or twenty four, um, screen, dribble handoff. If that failed, there were 12 seconds left on the shot clock and Florida had to figure something out. Um, and I think that just gets back to this problem that that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Eric, that Florida isn't running a lot of actions off actions. They kind of are very reliant on whatever the first action is, that first dribble handoff, or maybe there's another dribble handoff after the dribble handoff. Um, 
which unfortunately was something we saw under Mike White where that first dribble handoff isn't even threatening because it's not going downhill or towards the basket. Um, so I think those things are kind of problematic as Florida then initiates very slowly against a team that is tremendous defensively, sixth in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. Uh, Bart Torvik has them at fifth since January 1st in the country in that category. Um, that's just during SEC play. Uh, for those that are curious. Um, so, you know, you give Miss State 12 seconds to defend, more often than not, they're going to do it. And then, you know, I think you make an excellent point about Will Richard getting some some pretty uh, – some of his normal looks. We did see a little bit of the problem with Will Richard, at least right now, um, is that you know, just a tiny little bit of an athleticism deficit. So when you are – when you get athletic hands in his face, not quite as good a shooter – as as uh, he he you know is against these lesser athletic teams that are a little slower and less long when they attack the closeouts, but you know that I think is something that Will can get better at. He can improve. Um, he can still improve as an offensive player in, in various ways. But uh, yeah, I mean Florida's just got to get more innovative and thoughtful offensively. Yeah, I don't really have anything to, to add. I mean, I just feel that we've said it so many times up on the podcast, but just to see once again, they, yep. they, their, their, their spacing be entirely off when they go into some of the point stuff. Um, they ran these split cuts that were really poorly executed by both players involved in them. It was way too close to the lane line. So there was no, no angle for the pass. And then it would flow into this ball screen where the player exiting the split was still underneath the hoop. So there was no, there was no role of it. Like it just, it's like, they're, yeah, they're, they're, there's problems with what they're running and there's problems with what they're how they execute it so like that's that's really poor it just like again we'll talk about it we talked about it a thousand times we'll talk about it talk about it more but that is yep. uh just just a, a, another just like truly you know disappointing game from from that standpoint though not anything we uh we we didn't expect um sadly uh so yeah that's um i don't know if i have anything more on this mississippi state game neil i don't know do, do you have any other discussion points from this one i mean not really it kind of got Kind of got uh, into that last point on Richard that, you know, obviously when a guy that's been as hot as he is goes one for seven, it's going to be tougher. You know, I think the high volume is also a little bit related to how schematically Miss State wants to play. I think they're like in the top 25 in the country or something like that and three points, three pointers attempted against them. Um, so, you know, they let people shoot them. They trust their athleticism to guard them. That's why they're in the top 30 in the country in three-point percentage defense, even though they allow a ton of attempts. So Florida did kind of take what the defense gave them, but I think there are ways that Florida can threaten uh, teams better offensively with better offense and better execution, as Eric said. And unfortunately, the Gators just didn't have that yesterday. And still, despite all of this, you know, to lose in the last second by one point, in a game where you go 10 of 17 at the free throw line in a game where you get out rebounded by 11, where you give up 18 offensive rebounds where you commit 16 turnovers. Like I think, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly Todd Golden praised Florida's competitiveness. I agree with that. You know, Florida battled yesterday. Um, they clearly didn't want to go home, uh, but that's, the way it is and, and it's been a while now um a couple years at least since florida played in the quarterfinals it's been since 2019 
that Florida has played in an SEC tournament semifinal. That's five seasons ago now, Eric. So, um, you know, I think the frustration, not just for this podcast, because shoot, we've been waiting for, for our great Florida team since we started. Um, but I think in the fan base uh, is understandable. And, and yesterday I kind of, I don't want to say the culmination of those frustrations, but more of, of the same. Uh, that's something that's been crazy. Um, of course, this is uh, going well back into the Mike White era, not uh, as much the current staff, but yeah, it's just crazy that the Gators have not played well at the SEC tournament. Um, and it's like, it, it just seems like, uh, I, and it's, it's again, talking about teams, you know, four or five years ago or whatever, three, four or five years ago is, is, is not very, you know, fruitful to talk about a conversation about this current team, but it's just crazy to see how many times too, that it just seems like the, the, the Gators have not been playing well going into the SEC tournament. That's the other thing too, is like, there's been a couple of years where they've been playing well and then not played well at the SEC tournament. But then there's times like this one where it's like, yeah, did they not play very well? Like, well, no, but like they didn't really, but like, could, did, did we expect anything different? Like, no. So um, I think that, and, and, and like for the people that, that travel every single year, like, like Brett Meckler and, and, and his crew and Matt Wolf and the guys listen to the podcast, like, um, I don't know if they went this year, but these are guys that have been going to the SEC tournament, no matter where it was, like for like over a decade. And like, and I, 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 think that they, I think that they, Matt did go or. Did... Yes. Oh, I don't yeah. know about, I don't know. Of about course, that. Matt did. Yeah. God bless Matt. He just continues to continues to travel to support the team, you know, in all kinds of weather, as they say. Um, but yeah, I know there are some people who used to travel every year, especially or like when it was in Nashville, which helps because Nashville is a place people want to go to. But um, yeah, that are just like tired of trying to sell their tickets after one game, you know. So like, um, hey, it's it's uh, it's one of those things too, where like it's 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 actually a good way to like gauge kind of fan passion and, and interest is like how many people are going to be. And again, I know it's not, it's not um, like not everyone has the the lifestyle and, and ability to like go to the sec tournament on a Thursday and in, in, in Nashville, depending on where you live. And like, let's assume that you're in the state of Florida. Yeah. That's not like, it's not easy to do, but uh, the, 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 just, you know, anecdotally, the people that, uh, that I know that used to travel every year are, have been a little bit beat down by the performances over the last several years. And that is nothing, you know, what happened several years ago doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this current team. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate um, for sure. And, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things where of course in my, in my calendar every, every year is this sec tournament got to be ready to, to watch these games and cover these games in case the Gators go deep into the weekend. And like, once again, it's Friday morning and uh, we don't have a game to watch this afternoon. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Florida and the prospect of an NIT birth. First, just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Gatorverse. Um, Gatorverse is the exclusive sponsor for Florida Basketball Hour, which is brought to you by the Gatorverse, an exclusive community dedicated to connecting University of Florida fans and student athletes. Members receive access to exclusive autograph collectibles, Real-life experiences, giveaways, VIP events, and rewards while athletes receive a majority of revenue from sales of their collectibles. So it functions the way NIL was intended by putting money in athletes' pockets. To find out more about becoming a Gatorverse member and Locker Mania, visit, visit Gatorverse.io. That's Gatorverse.io. And, and for those of you wondering, like, if I just, you know, read these things because they're sponsoring us. No, like I joined the Gatorverse and they've got gymnastics stuff and 
um, the hoop stuff. So, you know, try to try to get in and 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 support. There's all sorts of tiers, and and you can earn rewards, and we certainly appreciate them. Uh, Florida now will wait and see if they are selected for the NIT. Uh, Todd Golden says he thinks that they have a pretty good chance to to get an NIT berth. Um, he then also confirmed what uh, Malik Garadi had reported from our Twitter account that Florida will accept an NIT invite if they are invited. Uh, Todd Golden said, look, as long as I'm the head coach of Florida, we'll compete. Um, so, you know, I think we discussed this a little bit on the last podcast, but I think the coaching staff in particular needs these games, um, you know, as they continue to, to improve themselves, a young coaching staff. Uh, your thoughts on, on you know, the, the potential for an NIT berth and where Florida sits as it relates to that, Eric? So it's interesting because, again, right, there was, you know, we were hearing – well, and I'll say still are hearing that they might still might not go to the NIT because yeah, multiple things. Multiple. So I'll just say that, like I, I, so first of all, I love the mindset from from Golden. Um, I don't like when coaches um, are. I, I will say usually too proud to accept an NIT bid, and because uh, again, if you're a high major coach, if you're a team like Florida, if you're at the NIT, it's probably a disappointing season. Um, so it would have been pretty easy for um for them to want to uh you know to say no so for golden to say like hey as long as i'm a florida we're, we're going to be in the nit i love that and i hope that that's not a decision he has to make ever again because i hope that the gators aren't in the nit moving forward um so love that mindset um but at the same time like i, I think the players have to you know have a role in this as well and, and i know some people i i kind of had mentioned that to a couple couple sources to which they said well it's not the players you know it's not their call you know, yes, yes or no, but like we're recording this Friday morning and, you know, there was part of me that expected to see a couple names in the portal already. And some guys can, you know, be in the portal or in, announce their intention to be in the portal and still play in the NIT, but there's a chance that some of these players don't. And, and if, if, if several of them didn't want to play in the NIT and the Gators were left with functionally seven or eight guys for an NIT game, you know, maybe they, they say something different. And again, so, the, so again, I just, I, I would just caution from some people is like, do I think the Gators are now going to be in the NIT? You know, yes, yes, I do. But there's still a chance to me that a bunch of players don't want to be there and uh, are planning on being in the portal and don't want to compete. And some people are going to hate that because they think that like, Hey, they're quitting on their team. Well, go look around the country right now. There's lots of players who, um, or the last couple of years who did not want, or I don't want to say not want to play in the NIT. They would just rather be in the portal and start their recruiting to other teams. So It'd be interesting to, to to see exactly where that's at. I'd be interested what the players think, especially the like seniors, um, or yeah, players that we we know are not going to be a Florida next year. I'd be interested what they think. I'd assume that they would want to compete, um, but yeah, maybe there's a chance that they don't. But but again, like there's like if you're Florida, like the only like there's there's definitely a shot you get like upset in this situation and it goes point. Like there's a chance that. Uh, the Gators don't host a first round game and have to go on the road somewhere tough. That's a recipe to get upset. If the Gators do host a game, they're probably going to be one of the lowest seeds to host. So you're going to get a really good mid major team. Um, that's an opportunity to lose on your home floor. The Gators have not been able to beat many good, ha haven't beat a good team in like 
a, a long time. So again, it, it just would have been really easy for Golden to say like, you know what, we're going to evaluate, we're going to think about it and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but for, I, I did really like that. He said like, Hey, as long as we're at Florida, if we have a postseason opportunity, we're going to compete no matter what that is. Um, I wish more coaches had that mindset. Yeah, no, I thought that was fantastic. And it was really a relief to hear that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I do think, Obviously, Florida's a proud program, but you know you you got to continue to compete. And if you're these coaches, I think again, I think they understand that um, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can be talking to portal people and preparing for NIT games, and that's really where Florida is at this point. Unless TJ Thomas uh, reclassifies, I don't think I don't think there's going to be any shim checks in this recruiting class. I'll just leave it at that. Like unless. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't blanket statement that until like somewhat we're somewhat through portal season, but it would surprise me just because um, they have such a big board in 2024 and, you know, they may want to keep the roster space. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll, we will see. It, it's all it's all left to play out right now. And, and we will definitely be back with you. Um to discuss some of the transfer portal stuff, shorter show today because we don't have a game to preview, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but you know, we we will be back uh, with an NIT show. It might not be with Eric, um, and then um, we're going to have a Patreon podcast uh, where we ask our Patreons to send us questions. That podcast will be available for everyone, but we're just taking Patreon questions for it. So. Um, you know, thank you again to our Patreon subscribers. Florida finishes the regular season 16 and 16. Uh, a postseason berth would require at least one win to avoid a losing season for Florida. Uh, I think I've ad nauseum now that, that Florida has the fewest losing seasons in the SEC this century. That is something I think to take some pride in. So hopefully if Florida goes to the NIT, they can grind out a dub um, and avoid a losing campaign. If they did lose, it would be interesting just random basketball facts that that Florida would air they would have uh their two losing seasons would both be 16 and 17 campaigns so just on the precipice no catastrophic collapses but certainly uh disappointing this year a little different than Billy Donovan's last year when they started a student manager yeah um, I was gonna ask just uh uh, one, one more thing, NIT related. Uh, do you have anyone you would like to see the Gators play? Like, I know, again, we talked a little bit of NIT bracketology, which is just like the, the peak of college basketball nerddom to be talking NIT bracketology. But is there anyone like realistic that you would you would like to see the Gators play? Or um, I'll just say this while, while you think about it. So, uh, again, I'll remind people that the, the NIT is 32 teams. Um Anyone, any anyone who won their uh, won their conference regular season but didn't win their conference tournament and isn't going to the NI or the NCAA tournament is automatically eligible. So um, you've got like you know good mid major teams, but not necessarily the best. Or in some situations, you do have the best mid major team from their league if they got upset in their conference tournament. So there's you know a smattering of good uh, mid major teams, and then there's of course the high major teams like Florida who. Uh, did make the, the the NCAA tournament and then so there's so there's 32 teams and the top 16 seeds um host games 
And then after the top 16 teams, they, they make regional matchups. So I'll just say this, there's not like a very clear matchup for the Gators if they host, or even if they don't host, because like some teams that you would normally expect to be kind of in that NIT situation, like, again, I'm not trying to like, I, I can start naming teams and people will think it's just me slandering other Florida programs, but like, you know, like UCF is a team that's, you know, often in that mix. They're not there when you, when, um, South Florida is having, you know, a better, you know, ish year. Um, they're often in in that kind of mix. Um, they're not this year. Like North Florida didn't win their league. So, or Jacksonville didn't, you know, win the A Sun, but they get up, upset. So like, there's not like, oh, the if the Gators are hosting, clearly it's going to be Jacksonville or North Florida, or it's not like, oh, if the Gators go on the road, it's clearly going to be used. Like, there's not like a very natural team that I would like predict the Gators to play necessarily. So, um, yeah, so I guess Neil, do you have any thoughts on who you'd like like to see, or if you have any takes about who you like think they'll put the Gators with? Uh, you could say that too, but I think it's pretty tough to predict. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone necessarily that I, I you know, hope Florida sees. We just saw. I, I always thought I thought College of Charleston would have been super interesting, but fortunately for them, they won their yes. conference tournament. So, um, you know, the Gators avoid like hosting a college Charleston team whose best win was really Virginia tech and probably had zero chance of an at large if they didn't win the colonial, um, despite the protestations of the entire Twitterverse, um, they, I mean, look at their schedule. They beat no one. Um, so, you know, that would have been interesting to me. Um, Colorado was one I was thinking would be fascinating just because it's like two power six teams that are, exceptionally mediocre and really good at defense uh, and terrible at offense. So like, you know, it could be a rock fight part two on the scale of all the Florida mistake games, which proved out to be pretty entertaining. Um, I'd love Florida to win a game and go to the Dean dome. Um, you know, mm. I think like that would be fun if Florida was a four and Carolina was a one and like the Gators ended up playing a second round game in Chapel Hill. Um, I don't know that that could be, you know, enjoyable. Well, what about you? Like, again, it's, it's trying to, trying to balance what's, what's realistic and, and what's not is, uh, it's, it's, it's tough because again, I was even floating the idea of like that, like the Gators could, might not be, uh, yeah, like hello podcast. I floated that like North Carolina might host a game and the Gators might be a bottom 16 seed. So like maybe they match that up for TV, but I also realize I'm like, there's no possible way. Like, so like North Carolina would, you know, there's there's no way they're giving them that tough of a fir good first round game. Like so, like North Carolina is going to play like Utah Valley or something. Um, so again, that would have to be a second round game, like you mentioned. Um, like again, I I I I think that perhaps I'm shifting my mindset into like um, just like college basketball, like like fan, I guess. But like, I think it would be so cool if the Gators went to like, like if the Gators were a bottom 16 seed, if the Gators had to go on the road to North Texas, like North Texas, like going on the road to a mid-major, I think would be really cool. And North Texas has a really good, really cool facility, really cool arena. Um, they've got a really good kind of home court ad advantage. So um, that'd be tough for the Gators, but I think that would be cool. Or if the Gators had to go to New Mexico and play at the pit, um, they yeah. are, they have an incredible facility and have an incredible home court. So like, I, I, again, I might be just like shifting into fan mode of college of the sport of college basketball a little much and saying like, I'd love to see if the Gators are a bottom. Cause well, and, and also to be quite frank, if the Gators are at home, I don't really care who they play um, in the sense that like, yeah, like 
there, there's part of me that's like, yeah, I hope they get like Utah Valley. I don't. That's just my mid-major example. I'm sorry. I'm respect to Utah. Valley. No, it's a cool. really good year. <laughs> um, um, especially after losing Fardos Amac, and they're just hey, they're just as good. No problem. Um, they uh, like that would be nice to get a win, but uh, yes, it would be cool if they hosted um, Colorado. Um, but uh, yeah, I would just love if if they do end up on the road. Yeah, like send them like you know send them to New Mexico. Send them. Um, actually, one team I, I would actually love if they would host is get. And again, this would be completely like from the opposite side of the continent. But if they get like Santa Clara, who I think will be like a bottom sixteen seed, that would be a team I just love to see out of aesthetically. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole lot of NIT bracketology. It's kind of funny to talk again, quote unquote, bracketology because it's not like they're <laughs> lining them up by by skill. Like they're trying to make matchups. But again, with no one around Florida. Um, and you know, New Mexico's got a pretty big budget. Maybe New Mexico would would still be okay, you know, coming to if if New Mexico oh, actually New Mexico's higher seat. Sorry, that doesn't work. But like Santa Clara's got got some money. Maybe they're okay coming across the continent, going to uh, going to uh, go to Florida or um, you know whatever it is, whatever it is. But uh, if the Gators get sent on the road to a mid major, I think that is the most fun outcome. Yeah, no, I don't think San Francisco would would make the flight to Gainesville, but, but you never know. And right, yeah, so right. <laughs> they're under consideration as, as well after their uh, competitive WCC semifinal um, against Gonzaga, certainly more competitive against the Zags than St. Mary's was in the final. Good grief. Um, you know, no, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how Todd Golden feels about that. Right. Like it's his old school versus his alma mater and like, one was clearly more competitive than the other, and it wasn't who you thought it would be. But um, I don't know. We'll see if any of that means anything for the Gales as people fill out their March Madness brackets uh, coming soon. But certainly St. Mary's has kind of limped down the stretch. I meant Santa Clara if I said St. Mary's before earlier. No, you said Santa Clara. But oh, okay. I was, so just, I was just like, wait. I was just thinking about the WCC and how San Francisco really pushed Gonzaga. Um, you know, in the in the semifinal, yes, whereas yes. whereas Gonzaga just pretty much steamrolled uh, St. Mary's by like mm. playing a press, and I was like, St. Mary's had never seen a press before, um, so that was that was surprising and a bit horrifying if you're a Gales fan preparing for like an NCAA tournament where you figured you'd make the second weekend. Um, <laughs> we will see. Uh, we may do some sort of uh, bracketology. A bunch of these updates will come. Um, over the next couple of days, we'll get those Patreon questions out and I will sign us off this time. Go Gators. Keep attacking closeouts.